this chair squeaks. Is that going to be a thing? Uh, maybe, but try not to move. I could put you in the rotating chair if you'd rather. I don't know. I'm just saying it squeaks. Be ready for squeaks. Hi, everyone. Be ready for squeaks. <laughs> podcast i don't know if you remember us my name's jake i'm dustin and this is dudes watch disney it's been a little while but we're talking about little mermaid today hey that's a big deal right this was kind of a big movie it was way more successful than the likes of black cauldron and fox and the hound and that kind of shit yeah. if you've been if you stuck with us through the uh, the downturn thanks <laughs> and the downturn and <laughs> putting out episodes and the disney downturn this is like our uh, our spring uh, premiere or whatever don't tv shows still do that where it's like Here's our season, and then we're going to go away for two months, but the season's still going on. Plus, we, I know you've heard this before, people, but we got a plan for getting you guys more content. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Let's just keep making promises. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, said Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good guy to model. <laughs> on our Disney podcast. Yeah. Anyway, we're dudes who watch Disney. We're both grown-ass yeah. men who are going back and watching Disney cartoons. That's a good idea. Reminder of the show. We've been doing watching all of the Disney uh, animated features since the inception, starting with Snow White. We've made it all the way up to Little Mermaid. It's been like four years. We've only made it to the 80s. But I've never seen Inception. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> it just means the beginning of something. Oh, okay. <laughs> but also, okay movie. I thought it was super cool when it came out, but I watched it again like three months ago and it was kind of whatever, but The Little Mermaid was released in 1989 and uh, we've talked about it a lot. It's a lot of times, you know, we've been looking forward to it like this is the start of the Disney Renaissance. We've been in a well, uh, you know, publicized downturn in quality and in financial uh, security, I guess, of Disney Animation Studios. They were nearly canceled or shut down or whatever at least a few different times um and little mermaid pretty much gets you know most of the credit for oh shit we're gonna be massively successful now and then the disney all you 90s kids remember is starting right now with little mermaid and that's it little mermaid obviously deserves a good amount of credit but we do need to go back a little bit because you know this this is sort of the uh the cusp of you know the the growing success we've seen lately because it does go back to uh, first of all the great mouse detective which we did a few episodes back which does not get a whole lot of credit for disney's success but it was made on a very small budget and made a ton of money and recouped you know all this financial disaster of uh the black cauldron and you know that that was truly the film that you know made disney higher-ups realize like yeah we should keep this around uh, specifically michael eisner i think and then that was also built further upon because released shortly before Little Mermaid and heavily featuring Disney animation was one Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which also was a massive financial success. So as Dusty Rhodes would put it, uh, the Great Mouse Detective, that was the seed money. <laughs> 
And mm. now, with Little Mermaid, we're going to the pay window, baby. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to say uh, that Great Mouse Detective was very pivotable. It was. It was pivotable. It was a pivotable film. Uh, it seems crazy to talk about Disney being uh, in a position of financial struggle. Right. When, you know, now they own everything. Literally. Every movie that, you know, they put out seemingly makes a billion dollars and... I watched this movie. This is the first movie on our podcast that I watched on Disney Plus streaming yeah. service, which... We'll just go ahead and call them a sponsor. Why not? <laughs> which uh, is something, you know, that was not around when we began this podcast. Mm-hmm. But now that it is, you can go back and use our podcast as a companion piece. <laughs> if you're somehow a Disney fan who likes this tiny podcast but is not aware of Disney Plus as a service... <laughs> well, no, no, I'm just saying you can use... Obviously, you're aware of Disney Plus if you're listening to the show. But you can go back watch these movies listen to what we have to say about them see if you agree with us don't agree with us send us your comments even if it's one from a few uh, you know a few years ago we'd be happy to address your critiques stuff we got wrong especially if you agree with us i did want to ask about uh just what your enjoyment level of Disney Plus was so far, because I am not a subscriber, and all I've heard you talk about is Mandalorian, and one time you watched Bonkers, and it right. was bad. I, I enjoy uh, the the service uh, on the whole. It's, it's very nice. What I don't get... Can you start that sentence again? I enjoy the service on the whole. Uh, <laughs> As a whole. I, on... <laughs> Generally, Generation H feels good on the whole. Generally, I enjoy the service. Uh, I do think it's a little strange they didn't have more original shows ready to roll out Mm. when they did. Like, they had a Star Wars show and and a very successful one in in Mandalorian. Um, And they had some, like, shows for younger people, I guess, that I have not watched. Uh, But it it seems like you'd maybe have one Star Wars ready, one Marvel show ready, one, you know, uh, one of each ready to go. And they did not have that. Um, so I do feel like they're lacking a little bit there because I'm still excited about the service, but it's like, man, Mandalorian was really cool. Now when what? does another fun thing start? Yeah, I could see that. Which we could also use to spiral into a, a larger point. Uh, you wouldn't know because you don't watch shows at all. But, <laughs> Generally. <laughs> uh, I think one of the best things that's happened uh, for, well, it's the best and worst things that, happen, that have happened to TV have been uh, Netflix and the other streaming uh, services starting their own shows because what they've done is expose how weak the like shows on regular TV are. That's because, accurate. And part of that is because those regular, you know, the, oh, your broadcast shows uh, are 22, 24 episodes yeah. long. You can't come up with that many compelling storylines. You have a lot of like stretching it out, which maybe you might have picked up on before these other shows started, but now that they're there, you can clearly see the like eight episodes of Stranger Things are really interesting for those eight episodes. Right. And then you miss them when they're gone. <laughs> well, but more so than like... There's definitely some filler Stranger Things episodes. Maybe. Season two was bad for that. Okay, but filler, but not at the same level as sure. these, as, as shows that are on, you know, over-the-air TV. Right. Um, And so, similar thing with The Mandalorian. And I do like uh, one thing that Disney and, and Hulu have done with their original shows uh, compared to what Netflix does is they don't release them all at once. Um, yeah. They release them, well, with in Hulu's case, they normally do the first two or three at a time, and then after that, do one a week. Um, and then in Disney Plus's case, they've just, they just did one episode uh, per week, which kind of makes those feel like a bigger deal. Like I'm not a huge, maybe you guys are out there in internet land, uh, mm. binge watcher, but to me, it gives you a week to go, Oh man, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Right. I am also terrible at binge watching cause I don't have the attention span for it. So 
Right. And uh, so so that's nice uh, to be able to build up to things. That's really my uh, biggest thing. Like, I, I mean, it is nice to have all those movies in one place. I've not actually gone back to watch a whole lot of movie I was gonna movies ask, on at, there. Well, at, outside of Bunkers, was there anything else you were like, oh man, I got to watch this thing and see if it holds up? Mm, not really, because I just assumed that it didn't. Um, I, did you watch the Little Mermaid TV show? I did not. I did watch part of uh, the DuckTales Treasures of the Lamp just, movie. We're going to record that later. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of it. I watched like 10 minutes of it to be like, this is kind of racist. Like, <laughs> yeah, that will definitely be an episode in the future because oh, well, I like that movie. Look but... out for that coming at you. <laughs> One thing that it does do... Oh, well, I have gone back and watched the uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars uh, show. I've heard good things about that. I never... Yeah, it's kind of I'm fun. not a Star Wars guy. Now, apparently they were released in the wrong order, so I found a uh, website... Uh, where you you know can watch them in this order but each episode is sort of i mean there are some that carry over from episode to episode but they're mostly like self-contained yeah like stories um so it's kind of fun this is a separate thing we'll get to little mermaid eventually <laughs> but that that is an annoying thing to me when like tv companies mess with that shit because like uh this is not at all an important thing but i watch king of the hill all the time <laughs> and like they have an order of production which is the same order they were on, like, the DVD releases. Like, we made all these episodes in this season. But then they had an order of air date, because Fox would use some episodes and push some back to another season. And so, like, when you're watching them on Hulu, they go in air date order, which that means some shit's out of order. Mm. It's annoying to me. That does seem annoying. I can't imagine doing it on a show where storylines, like, matter and stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, so, it is nice to have, you know, someone else has already done the work to figure out what order I should be True. watching these things that's in. One so thing that's one thing the internet's handy. there for. Sidetracked. Oh, so, we were talking about Disney+. Plus and generally i really like it i'm ready to see more of the original shows i know you are kind of marveled out a little bit so you probably yeah. don't feel like you're missing anything there um you're not all that into star wars either but i don't feel like right. mandalorian necessarily I'm sure it's cool counts like it's not like there's a whole lot of you know force stuff going on like he's right. a bounty hunter that just happens to be i mean although there is baby yoda and his or her force powers along the way but yeah, i don't know i just don't focus well on things but one thing that you get on disney plus and i I did want to talk about this is uh especially on older cartoons and and it hurts me a little bit to call little mermaid an older cartoon since it came out during my lifetime Mm -hmm. but uh you get these warnings at the beginning like on this one it said contains tobacco depictions oh wow which i guess it sort of does it shows a pipe like Mm -hmm. not actually with smoke coming out of it instead like bubbles and shit come out of it that's the thing on the dvds is uh that a lot of them start out with like a PSA of like smoking's bad for your health and it's all the clips from Disney cartoons of bad guys smoking and stuff never the faces smoking right. which and is I guess also in this happens. one it is the faces cuz like Scuttle has the yeah. snarflat uh, I was going to ask did you watch a lot of this movie growing up Oh yes the childhood uh, memories It is a movie uh I was talking about this with my wife the other day like it's uh I I didn't really fall prey to the Jake girl movies and boy movies mm-hmm. on most things but for whatever reason I don't know if I got shamed at school for this or whatever but like I liked it and then very much went that's girly and kind of quit yeah. watching it for a while it I was wonder... a it was a grandma's house movie uh like we yeah, also talked about before it was right. at nanny's yeah and they really liked it they referenced Dinglehopper a lot <laughs> it's um, true and so it was it was fun to watch over there but it was the movie we're going to watch next uh the rescuers down under I feel is a much more like it's boy very boy movie. heavy yeah uh, where this one is a little bit girly. Now, this one is a huge uh, artistic achievement yes. compared to that one. But anyway, uh, I watched it uh, a lot as a child. It wasn't like an everyday movie yeah. watch. You know. I do wonder if that was like first child situation versus, you know, I was the younger one. So like 
you're the only kid. You don't know what's what. You watch whatever movie. And by the way, watch whatever fucking movies you want. Gender roles are stupid. Don't believe any of that shit. Sure. But, like, uh, you know, I I as a kid was very much like, girl movies, nuh-uh, I can't watch this. Or if I do, I have to be, like, ashamed. <laughs> True. But, like, you, if you were four and you're like, I'm just watching movies, like, you wouldn't know any better. You also watched more movies than I did growing up, too, though. Where, like, well, I would have pers- had a VCR in my room. Right. Personality-wise. Well, even if I had one, like, you... As a child, and I assume now, till uh, too, would rather like sit in your room and watch something, and I like Usually. have to know what everyone else in the house is doing, <laughs> and like need to know everybody's business at all times. Fair point. And so, going to watch a movie would be like, but there's stuff going on out there I don't know about. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> differences yeah. in our personalities there. You mentioned this being a, a massive uh, artistic, and you know what could be said about Little Mermaid that hasn't been said. Find out in this podcast <laughs> as I quote Wikipedia shit at you. <laughs> right. Because uh, Little Mermaid, obviously based on the works of Hans Christian Andersen, uh, which you know, he wrote a whole lot of fables and shit. Emperor's New Clothes is him, uh, The Princess and the Pea, that kind of stuff. The Snow Queen, which is what I'm assuming Frozen is kind of loosely based on. I don't know. Isn't he the Ugly Duckling too? Maybe not. I just threw that he out there. He is. You're right. All right. Ugly Duckling. And Thumbelina. So there you Never go. Never saw that movie. Uh, yeah, that was made. Uh, Thumbelina is voiced by the same lady that voices Little Mermaid. It was yeah, very much, it's very much Don Booth going, "Let's get some of that Little Mermaid money." <laughs> but uh, one thing I found interesting was the uh, the the originally even before Snow White, or maybe short like right after it, they were going to do a project of Hans Christian Andersen tales, you know, as like a collection film, and it included Little Mermaid, um, which I, I found that interesting to see, like, what would the 1930s, 40s version of this tale looked like. Probably, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was much darker, you know, just the way they were doing shit back then, and I know the source material is fairly dark. But an interesting tidbit is when they went to, in, you know, the 80s to adapt this film, you know, Disney Studios, they went, obviously took the source material and started making, you know, changes here and there, making it more kid-friendly. And then somebody in the office discovered, like, the original notes from when they were going to do it in the 40s, and it was largely the same changes. Hmm. So, like, that was a pretty neat uh, little, little Easter egg. It was probably reassuring to the, the people working on it to know that yeah. this was in keeping with Walt's vision or Walt's team's vision. Yeah, like, oh, we're on the right track here. And as we said, film, massive financial success. I had the numbers written down somewhere, but how much money does Disney make now at the box office? This was probably on that scale. Uh, whereas before, you know, throughout the 70s and the 80s, commercial failures left and right. Uh, you know, maybe if you look up the total, like, not box office, but money the film brought in, I'm sure they broke even eventually, but that's including, you know, home video releases and re-releases and all that kind of shit. Box offices were not good at this time. Which, you know, just look through our recent episodes and you can see, like, obviously, who the fuck cares about these movies? Um, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's a bit of a cyclical nature to it where, right. like, when, you know, Snow White comes out uh, and it's this huge achievement to make a feature-length uh, cartoon that way, um, it's a movie that not just children went to see, right? It was a movie right. that, uh, you know, people of all ages well, went to go see. The and then golden age of cinema at that time, too. Right. And so eventually the novelty on that wears off and it becomes like, oh, well, that's those cartoons are, are they're just kids things. And then uh, every so often it kind of, you know, bubbles up again and becomes a big, you know, right uh, phenomena again. And then it sort of uh, dwindles back down. And I feel like, you know, this Little Mermaid is the beginning of, of a swell of 
uh, of attention that these movies got and not just as kids movies where they start getting oscar nominations for you know best score uh beauty and the beast got nominated for best picture i think little mermaid might have too didn't fact check that thing because what thing it didn't win i know it didn't win but i I think it got nominated and beauty and the beast i I know got nominated for best picture plus they each get nominated for best original score and i think win best original score on a string from like little mermaid to uh or maybe beauty and the beast to like pocahontas is the last one to do that so and and i was gonna say the biggest difference here right off the bat is the is the music in this film absolutely where they went out and got some uh, broadway guys and if you're into the theater more than we are you probably know their names better than we do well i did write them down and i actually did a little research because uh it's the duo uh of songwriters here uh the one who, who tends to get remembered the most because he would continue to work for Disney a lot longer was Alan Menken. This is his first film with Disney. Um, he's coming from success on Broadway for uh, largely for The Little Shop of Horrors was his biggest success. And then apparently Disney found him and his writing partner like right off the bat after Little Shop of Horrors success and was like, come work for us. And then it kept going. Uh, but his, his songwriter partner named Howard Ashman really seems like he was sort of a driving force behind this film as well. And I, I had never heard his name because before this, whereas I at least heard of Alan Menken. So, but he's Menken writes the music. Ashman is the lyricist, uh, and he was heavily involved with the writing and development of Little Mermaid. He was the one who proposed changing the minor character Clarence uh, to Sebastian. He was going to be an English butler crab. It was uh, Ashman's idea to change him to a Jamaican crab, and then therefore shifting the music style around that, which is where we get the electric drums or whatever they're called uh steel drums steel drums thank you music not really my forte (laughs) and at you know at the same time he's doing this some of him along with the other writers are revising this story format to make it uh more of a musical with the broadway style story structure as opposed to when we had peter pan for example like the songs the sing-alongs weren't like the focus of the film the plot wasn't structured around them you know, they were just sort of things that happened. But as, in Broadway and in the on the Disney films we were about to get to, they become sort of tent poles. And I think that that shift in direction means so much to what we think of with Disney magic and nostalgia and watching these a million times as a kid. And and we'll talk about this, uh, talk about each one of the songs as we go throughout the movie. But in general, they either explain a character's uh, motivation. They give background and explain parts of the story that are not actually addressed, like part of Ursula's right. song, Poor Unfortunate Souls, addresses uh, her um, she used to live in the castle and gives little bits of background along the way. Yeah. Part of part of your world, of course, explains uh, and that, everything about what Ariel thinks. Right, and that wasn't really the way it was working in, say, like Bambi or Peter Pan. Like those were more like well, mood I mean, songs. Yeah, drip drip drip, little April flower. Like, it's raining. <laughs> that's the song. That's, that's about it for Bambi. But even in like, uh, I mean, what's another? current musical like oliver and company is a recent one that right. we did uh yeah there yeah. are songs in there exactly but, but they don't serve much purpose yeah. really i mean maybe why should i worry sort of explains uh billy joel's <laughs> <laughs> point of view i don't remember that mr dog <laughs> i don't remember the dog well, in the he's movie he's based on a fucking book like yeah, not a book that i've read uh, he's not Scout? oliver he's not twist <laughs> charlie Charlie Dickens. Rover? Does it start know. with an R? We watched this it movie. It doesn't matter. We watched this movie a long-ass time ago. That's what happens when we don't record very often. 
Ashman would hold story meetings and said the animation and musical styles were made for each other, which is why Disney needed to continue making musical movies, which we've seen them not doing, and actually, spoilers, the next movie they do doesn't do that either. Well, but that's probably <clears throat> not fair, because they were probably production. already making yeah, I imagine, Rescuers Down Under. I haven't seen anything explicitly say this, but I would imagine there was like an A-team, B-team going on, because while rescuers down under is a great film and i love it it feels very much like a b film <laughs> like we yeah. did not pour all our resources well, into this and even if it's not uh a, you know an a team and a b team you're definitely going to split up your people and have more than one thing going right. at a time um i'm sure loads of people were also working on uh who framed roger rabbit around this time too so right and, and they would have more than one thing uh in production and when you're drawing things by hand it takes way longer to make these things mm. you know than it does I mean, I assume making them on the computer takes a bit, too, but a different type of work. Yeah, I have more stuff about Howard Ashman, but they might go better with later films, so we'll just push him aside for now. The point is, he he's a lyricist that is very crucial to this film and a few of the films going forward, whereas Minkin hangs around until like the late 90s so we will hear his name a lot as well but he will work with other lyricists in that time too but their influence on the movie can be seen right away this movie feels like going to watch a, a performance of a play yeah um, and beauty and the beast does too another one that they worked on later on definitely um, a lot of that comes down to what will be dubbed the i want song which is largely what most of the, what these films open up with this one not immediately open it comes a little bit into it but the main character proclaims their you know goals and right. uh but even before that like with the fathoms below at the beginning yeah. of the of, of the movie you, you see get the a lot of things at once you see uh, uh the men on their ship you see the introduction of the the mer people i think ursula is even in the back or at least the eels are hanging out Maybe. some there's a lot of stuff going Cute on very, dog yeah very early on introducing every you know everybody's role in this uh movie the one thing i wrote about this opening song fathoms below was i have no memory of this song because <laughs> well, no, i mean the lyrics <laughs> of the song are not important but visually we're establishing what all's going right. on we didn't go into it but yeah this movie was a stupid dumb movie for girls when i was a kid so i did not watch <laughs> it uh very frequently at all I maybe caught some of it on TV, or I caught some of the TV show instead. Um, do we want to talk about the, uh, the the problem with the movie now, or do we want to wait until like it actually occurs in the movie? Do I feel you... free to expound. Well, I mean, the, the issue being um, that, you know, Prince Eric loves uh, Ariel even though she can't talk or whatever. And, right. You know, is, doesn't, is not it's affected by her not being able... Love at first sight. <laughs> Right. And also, I don't know your personality at all. And right, I don't need to know anything else about you. But you we're know. made for each other. Yeah, so it's, it's not an overly woke film. That's what um, I was going to say, is like, I sort of didn't watch this growing up, and then by the time I started watching it, it was already the era of internet wokeness, and this thing from your childhood is terrible, and you should hate it. And right. like, there's, that's somewhat accurate. Like, it's not a great uh, look 20 years later, 30 years later, of, uh, you know the main characters in this film but there's also so much like magic and happiness to the film too where it's like i don't know how to get out of my brain of like yeah okay what does this movie represent versus but shut up it's good like i'm enjoying watching this and so that, that's sort of the thing i wrestle with watching this as a 30 year old man and it's not like this is the first time that we've had to address this throughout uh you know the other episodes that we've done along the right. way we've had some issues in in several of the older films where depending on how much you let that affect your enjoyment yeah. of the film. Like we talked about with Peter Pan right. about how none of the female characters are well portrayed and then the minorities either for that matter. <laughs> yep. But I kind of went, but Captain Hook's funny and the rest of this is, is an enjoyable movie. 
And whereas it, know, it got to me more and affected my enjoyment and I gave it a shitty score because of that. That's a lot of it's based on my mood at the time and probably not being right. that objective. So, I mean, a similar thing here, like if you want to uh, get hung up on that and certainly in Beauty and the Beast with the movie basically about Stockholm Syndrome, uh, you could, you know, focus on that and let that affect how much you're enjoying the movie. Or you could go, this is a silly fairy tale. It's played yeah. by silly fairy tale rules. This right. isn't Disney going, ha, 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 she's hotter when she can't talk. Right. Like, that's not... That's... Well, and also, like, how there's also, like, how much do I want to side with our main character here when she's a dumb, bratty 16-year-old who wants to throw her whole life away based on this guy she doesn't know at all. Mm -hmm. Which Disney themselves make fun of this trope now. Like, you've got that in Frozen with uh, Anna... Is that her name? The Anna one that's not Elsa? Anna, Anna. Yes. Yeah, wanting to marry villain guy. <laughs> and, you know, you can't marry this guy you just met. And that kind of shit. I haven't seen Frozen 2, but maybe it does similar jokes. I don't know. I also did not see Frozen 2. Sometimes you have kids and then you stop going to see movies. It's true. Because you don't want to take your kid to the movie. Like Obviously. I, mean, I saw Knives do. Out. That was a cool movie. That was probably the only movie. I saw. No, I saw Joker too. So two movies last year. I still saw several movies, but I didn't take him to any of them. And I didn't prioritize seeing Frozen 2. Because uh, as you know, on a previous rant that I released, I'm not into sequels. And there's too many of them. Like, I mean, I'm into certain sequels. I'm not into cartoon sequels. I expect better from you, Disney and Pixar, especially you. <laughs> but anyway the film opens it's, we get we get a cold open we get birds and fish and then kind of out of nowhere this giant ship comes through the mist and fog uh it's really well done uh you get a pirate course right away mm -hmm. and, and they, we we meet our, our male lead can you remember his name by any chance eric i already said it thank you um and the pirate i call him prince cornbread because he's pretty fucking boring he's just a whiter version of aladdin with uh, no cornbread is not boring <laughs> like why are you prince white bread that could be a thing but cornbread's fucking good like why are you shitting on cornbread uh, it looked funnier to write that than... i mean okay uh i've also heard people call him prince generic which is okay that's clever. fine that's clever it's much better than cornbread uh anyway while they're talking to eric they introduce king triton he is uh the prince i'm gonna use pronouns here along the way to make it more clear mm -hmm. prince eric uh while he seems to enjoy being on the ship doesn't seem to know all of the lore and all the true. Uh, the things about being yeah. on the sea that the the other men, the other seamen know his older gentleman friend <laughs> grimsby i think yeah. is his name he talks about the mer people at this point right uh well i don't even i think he does some but i think it's mostly the crew okay. that's talking like grimsley's just like green and seasick grimsley is that it i think so i don't know whatever old fart <laughs> old fart yeah you're right he is seasick i see me not remembering this film super well i watched it and then it kept start just as i was taking notes it kept playing into the bonus features one of the bonus features is a deleted song that happens here that goes more into oh, it so that's that's sort of why i don't remember what actually happens and what happens in the deleted scene but uh we do set the two, set the set the stage, and then we sort of sink down into the ocean where the rest of the story is going to take place. And while we're doing that, um, just right off the bat, uh, sort of the score of the film, we'll notice uh, as we're transitioning to Mermaid Town, we're playing the uh, song that Ariel sings throughout the film. It's sort of this repeating, you know, musical sting that shows up in the background. The ah. Uh, those probably weren't the right notes, but whatever. His name is Grimsby. Grimsby. And he also voiced Roger in 101 Dalmatians. I was going to talk about that later, but oh, okay. Well, okay, because the... 
people making the movie didn't know that. Yes, that was the whole thing. Whatever. Just do it now. Yes, Ben Wright is the actor's name that plays Grimsby. Um, and yeah, what was pretty amusing about this is Disney folks had no idea that he had been the voice of Roger in the past and also Rama in the Jungle Books, Jungle <laughs> Book, and he had to tell them that. It's like, actually, I worked for you guys before, and that reminded me of, if you've ever heard Jimmy Wang Yang talking about working for Vince McMahon, and it's like, Vince was asking him to get in the ring and do something, and Jimmy's like, I, I don't work for you, I don't know if you remember this, but you fired me. Well, goddamn, why'd I fire you for? Come back, hire me, I'm hiring you again, get in the ring. <laughs> what that reminded me of so if you had you know 20 minutes in our shoehorned <laughs> refer uh wrestling reference i'm sure there will be more <laughs> probably so so anyway we get through the opening song introduce all those people then it's the musical staying and as we're transitioning down into the ocean i was talking about because it reminded me of peter pan peter pan sort of has his own theme that plays you know the doo doo with on the strings or whatever that little uh, ariel <laughs> ariel mermaid her name <laughs> right has that as well and i thought that was a nice touch <laughs> and probably nice. a sign of something alan mankin was you know in charge and, of and here. something you would do in a in a broadway play usually each Absolutely. character has a uh, bit of a musical phrase that goes along with them or not each character but a lot of the important characters would right anyway so there's a big a, a big gathering going mm -hmm. on At under the sea underwater palace Right. Um, then we're introducing King Triton. He gets and his, a big entrance. So does Sebastian for no real reason. Yeah, Sebastian has a full name. I didn't write it all down. Oh, it was a very long name. Sebastian's full name is Horatio Thelonius Ignatius Crustaceus Sebastian. So mm. he makes his entrance and gets ready to conduct a big musical piece with uh, all of all of King Triton's daughters. Which... And we learn this is supposed to be Ariel's debut, right? Right. Um, She's the youngest her, her of the bunch. Her coming out party. Her other sisters don't appear in the rest of this film, so... Uh... They have one other scene later on where they talk about Ariel's in love. Okay, sure. Well, Ariel blows off rehearsals and blows off this performance. Cause she's... And to me, the sisters look kind of cheaply made. Like, I get Ariel's supposed to stand out, so maybe we spent more time on her than them. But they look, especially in, like, the wide shot, they look kind of like we didn't spend a lot of time making these mermaids, hmm. um, to me at least. And then did you notice the other thing where, like, Ariel's the only one whose uh, top and fin don't match? Uh, I else... read that. I didn't yeah, pay I that didn't much attention. That but... <laughs> but apparently it's supposed to make her visually stand out from the others. That's also why they made her a redhead. They'd never had a redhead princess before. Well, the other reason for that is they didn't want her to look like, uh, what's her name? De... The girl from Splash. Oh, Daryl Hannah? Yes. I've never seen Splash, but yes. Yep. Disney already had another mermaid film in this era. I don't know if it was that Disney. I'm pretty sure that's a Disney film. There was a popular mermaid film either way, and they didn't want her to be confused with Daryl Hannah. I'm almost positive. All right. But well, Ariel is, is not with the group for the performance. She's off with her friend Flounder, a fish, and uh, they are off investigating human stuff. There's a sunken ship she wants to check out, and... Uh, we get a lot of just as long as we're getting into the dialogue and this a recurring theme is going to be fish puns uh which is feels very i don't know we've reached the self-aware era of disney so we got a lot of this stuff coming forward but there's a joke about uh there's a joke about flounder uh don't get cold fins come on we gotta go see this and then there's another one where ariel calls him a guppy for being scared just a bit silly and we do those things for two reasons. One, to make Flounder look like a coward a little bit, but also to show off how brave, but also impulsive and, you know, 
perhaps naive right. uh, Ariel is about getting into to trouble. She's not even aware that the sharks are out there nearby where we... Right, which is where this scene is going. Uh, but it shows them a little bit, you know. Yeah, that's true. Beginning. She gets something from the ship. I don't remember fork. what it is. She gets a fork. That's the dingle hopper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, she gets that and she's all excited about it. And then, oh, oh, here comes a shark attack. And then there's also some questionable underwater physics here where, like, a shark will bust through a wall or something. And then, like, the roof will cave in on them when it's like, it's already underwater. Wouldn't it, like, be more likely to float if it went up? It's all wood. It certainly wouldn't fall with gravity. But fair enough. There's some of that going on. But, you know, the shark is attacking them and they run away in in a not-all-that-scary kind of way. But they have no idea what the item is that they found, so they've decided to take it to Scuttle, who's very wise and knows all about... Uh, Allegedly. <laughs> ...human uh, artifacts. Scuttle is a seagull that they're friends with. So. Speaking of, I looked up the origins of the word scuttlebutt the other day. Oh. Uh, because, uh, first of all, my students didn't believe me that it was a real word, and then I tried to prove that to them and then tried to... Uh, look up the etymology from there mm-hmm. but scuttlebutt as anyone knows i'm sure is just you know rumors gossip the tea if you right. will uh and it apparently is a sailing term and it uh is the part of the ship where they would collect the water was the scuttlebutt and that was where the hmm. men would sit around talking to each other talking about the gossip just like water cooler conversation well, is, a, is a uh, phrase we use today same thing scuttlebutt I tried to look up the etymology of the word commode the other day because I heard a woman that was like in her 30s say it. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> that That is a like word used exclusively by southern grandmas. <laughs> but And Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> right. Get a commode lid. <laughs> That's my turn on the wrestling reference. Um, stick stick around for rescuers down under because the villain I'm just going to call Terry Funk the whole time. So. That's pretty accurate. Um, da, 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 sunken ship. Oh, we're up there with Scuttle now. Yeah, takes it to Scuttle uh, to he, learn what it is. He says it's a dingle hopper. Exactly. The humans are always using this in their hair. So, you know, spoilers, it's not, it's not that, it's a fork. But That's d- not, dingle, that not what you use your forks for. Dingle hopper is a funny word, so. And then we also look at the, uh, she has a pipe that she shows off too, right? Did we see her get that or she just already have it? Or? I think he, I think Scuttle already had it. Okay. And you said it was a snarf lap or whatever. Snarf. They, I think humans, flat. they play the most music, beautiful music with this thing. Yeah. And then, and he, then just... he like says it's broken or whatever when he <clears throat> right. can't make a nice sound. But on. she hears music. Oh, no. The I'm concert. supposed to be doing Oh, this. no. And yep. then she's in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. So she runs off. And then we just cut to a scene of we get to meet Ursula. But she's just sort of expositioning away to the camera here about I, she's watching her on like a crystal ball no, the or eels something? the eels they can see her and oh, her magic eye, and their magic eyes uh in she, a crystal she's ball. able to see them yeah right gotcha right and then she you're right just talks to the camera and explains right and ursula you know lumped up there with one of the great villains and i will get to a big discussion about her and everything but i feel like there's not a lot for her to do in a lot of this film it's mostly we cut to her and she just pouts at the camera for a little bit or you know tries to say something about i used to be in the palace and then they kicked me out and hello audience i'm the villain right like and i think the main thing missing from her is she really needs like an iago or someone to just be kicking the shit out of like imagine hades is a similar villain who's stuck on his own for most of the film but he has pan and panic there to yell at and torture and belittle and you know gets to be a more dynamic character that way whereas i feel like ursula a lot of times gets stuck with nothing to do here yeah i think we were trying to go for more of a share con thing where we you know sure. introduce her and show her uh you know sort of lurking and waiting in the background now we've right. actually shown her on screen where they've just talked about share right but imagine if 
10 minutes into Jungle Book, we cut to Shere Khan going, oh, that boy, I'm going to eat him in the final act. But she does look scary, at least. She does. I love her design, and she gets more major scenes later, but just this just felt like a general, I'm the bad guy scene. But yeah, she it's not very smooth the way that she just mentions that she used to live in the palace and that she's been exiled, uh, just sort of. Right. Who is she talking to? <laughs> Why is she saying these things? Right. And we and we cut back here to now we've got uh, a scene with Triton and Ariel. Triton. We didn't really talk about Triton, but Ariel's father. Uh, big, muscly Poseidon-looking dude, even though he's not called Poseidon because we picked a different Greek god for whatever reason. But carries around a trident, has a cool mustache. It's about all you need, really. And also, he hates humans because they cook and eat fish. And that's enough of a reason, I suppose. But he's also a loving father, and he's concerned about his teenage daughter. And, it's true. You know, and a single and father at that with, like, six kids. That's true. So, a lot to, a lot on his plate, even though he's also king of the... The mer people. Yeah. You know, all the politics. It's true. So he yells at them for a while, and it, things are mostly okay until Flounder... Uh, let slip that they went up to the surface and that's when he totally uh, right. blows a gasket and gets super furious right whereas ariel is still like no humans aren't dangerous i'm 16 i know everything mm-hmm. so that also is you know sort of an issue with him he's like no you're just a <laughs> empty-headed female is what the dude from fox and the hound would have said but it yeah. feels like there's a little bit of that in everything he's saying he's very dismissive of every point that she's trying to make which, again, she's young, but also it feels like you're a woman and I don't care. Right. You know, I, I'm the man of the house. I know how the world works. So she gets mad and swims away. Sebastian uh, tries to be a good suck up here. And, you know, if she were my daughter, I'd, you know, right. give her what for. And then Triton says, oh, well, then you ought to be watching her from now on. <laughs> and basically makes Sebastian personally responsible for uh, making sure Ariel stays out of trouble. Right. Which was not at all what Sebastian was hoping to Exactly. tasked with around this point i realized uh sebastian is the only character in the film with an accent so uh i don't know if he was born on vacation or what uh you know he's sort of an exchange student from the caribbean i'm also not sure where or when this film takes place it was written in denmark yeah but i don't know if that's where general area we are um because we're about to get to ariel's you know hoarder stash of figurines collectibles she's basically a dragon yeah basically and there's uh uh, apparently i didn't see it but according to the internet there's a bust of abraham lincoln in there yeah yeah i've never seen that which raises further questions (laughs) so we're at least in the late 1800s but yeah i mean i don't i think they just put random stuff down there i don't think i mean it's the ocean they could have like washed away it's not some sort of like twilight zone like and the whole thing happened in modern (laughs) times and you didn't even know like right right (laughs) probably uh but yeah we go to the hoarder stash and we sing an iconic song uh part of your worlds uh which was it it was under the sea that won the oscar right i think this no this one wasn't even nominated because it was under the sea and uh kiss the girls were Mm. Yeah, the kiss the got... girls plural <laughs> like kiss the girl that's totally different advice <laughs> yeah just kiss them all see what happens georgie porgy whatever is that what he does georgie porgy put in pie kiss the girls and made them cry that's not nice <laughs> how do you not know these nursery rhymes i don't know we're terrible bother <laughs> that might be accurate rick flair referenced it all the time kissed all the girls and made them cry and he never said georgie porgy to me to be fair <laughs> Georgie! Woo! Porgy! I remember 
stay all night, stay yeah. a little longer. All right. Well, that's Bob Probably Wills. Going up all the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, sorry, I touched your foot there. Yeah, that happened. We're not going to acknowledge it, except we already did. Uh, so you're right, part of part, part of, of your world, world uh, which nearly got cut from the film. Yeah, which is surprising. Yeah, but, uh, and while Under the Sea is is more fun, I feel like if you ask someone to name a song from this movie, this is probably what they I would think name. So. And and an example of you know showing all of her motivations and making a right a, a song that is and it's probably the more visually. Uh, like, but did you remarkable. did you read the story on why it was almost cut and why they decided to keep it? I did, but I don't remember. Okay, enlighten well, me. In the they did a screen test or a screening <clears throat> or whatever, where an audience of mostly children they got bored and weren't paying any attention at this part or whatever. Then they did another one with largely adults, and uh, they noticed some people like being moved to tears by this song, um, and uh, really you know appreciating this song and so that's what made them decide to to keep it but they nearly cut it after doing the children's screening and going oh kids don't like kids, this this is right too slow and i could see uh if i mean i know you weren't watching this one as a child because girl movie but mm. i could definitely see you know young jake fast forwarding through this part it is amusing that they thought kids might lose interest in this but kept all the songs in the rescuers well, and yeah, like, that's true all of their other boring ass but songs maybe though like wendy's song in peter pan Sure, but maybe like after they've watched all these other movies be commercially unsuccessful, Perhaps. they were like, hey, maybe we want to <laughs> not lose a bunch of money on this one. How can we make sure kids enjoy the whole movie? Could be. So uh, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, which we were a long time ago now, mm-hmm. uh, I watched Great Muppet, not Great Muppet, Christmas mm-hmm. Carol, just Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is great, though. Uh, did on they Disney have Plus. the song? They did not have the song. Right. Because in the theatrical version of the movie, the they song cut was that not song, there. which makes that scene very strange. It like is. Rizzo's crying for no reason. And yeah. like, you can tell there's a breakup, but you don't really know exactly what happened. And like, the song is a good song. like, And it's referenced later on at the end of the movie when he sings like... Uh, you know when they're all gathered around the table or whatever it's the same sort of melody yeah. uh and has some lines from the breakup song and so it's very weird to make that cut i agree but that that was the cut they made going into theaters and we grew up with the vhs tape we're the only ones but that i got it. thought they could put it back now <clears throat> well like, i don't know if that's a widescreen full screen formatting know, type still, thing still it's I don't know. very very jarring and sad, i got the dvd sure. it's the same way i know <laughs> Well, no, the DVD I have you has the both. Like, okay. But you had you to watch can... the full screen film. That to get is it. true. Yeah. yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol. Best movie ever made. Oh, it's a <laughs> you fantastic guys movie. Should be watching that every year. I mean, really, just Muppets in general. Fantastic. True. Um, but, you know, part of your world is great. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Oh, yeah. I did want to talk about this song because Ariel's motivation is very clearly part of your world it's what she exactly what she fucking says like i want to know what this world is like i want to be there it's inquisitive it's like you know striving for something new and it doesn't her song doesn't mention hooking up with hot dudes which is what the rest of the film i mean it doesn't but at the same time it's i want to give up everything that i know it is you know she sticks with that i don't need my family i don't need anyone who cares about me i I just just want to just latch on to you right i'm wondering if the movie would be more palatable if like she had then the ambition to like become a human and do human stuff have her own story up right and they are making a live action version of this maybe i'm sure there will be more of that and so maybe they'll make it more like that where like she'll come to the surface and then like actually do some human observations becomes a monarch too i don't know has to rule shit but like just she marries a prince well that is true but i just thought like just coming to the surface and like doing all the stuff she wanted to do right. and like exploring learning how forks work <laughs> exactly um that's a 
an interesting movie you could make too. Maybe that'd be a nice midquel. Like now that I think about it, how was there a Little Mermaid TV show? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know she, there was one. Yeah, she, well, she ends the film with legs and is on the Earth. Well, in the sequel, because it was a suggested watch once I finished this movie, mm-hmm. uh, showed her back with a fin, and uh, her daughter has a fin. I don't know. Daughter? Uh, well, oh, okay. some little shit is next to her with a fin. I assume it was her daughter. I don't fucking know. I haven't watched Little Mermaid two. What kind of weirdo do you think I am? I, I just know it opens with some ceremonies going on, and then a new person shows up, and Sebastian yells, Ursula's crazy sister! And that's the plot of Little Mermaid 2. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good introduction. <laughs> Ursula's crazy sister! Uh, anyway, now there's a ship again, and they're shooting off fireworks in this country, in this part of year, <laughs> localized yeah. entirely on From this the boat. ship. Yes, nothing could go wrong. Of course. The, uh, the prince, though, gets to show off that he's just a regular guy, though. Yeah. Like, he's a prince, he's out here with the other seamen, I'm gonna keep saying seamen. Um, but, you know, he's not in a rush to get married, like his uh, his old dude friends trying to get him married <laughs> off, Grim, Grim Lord, Grimsby, Grim yep. Old Place, whatever. Yep. He's trying to get him to marry, he doesn't want to, he's, you know, he's just, Free I'll spirit. meet the right girl sometime. Yeah, but he, like, yeah, he's uh, not love-struck, but he's a hopeless romantic, that's what there I'm you go. You know, he's got to be the perfect woman and all that kind of shit. Um, and this is where, <laughs> all that kind of shit. <laughs> I'm happily married, shut okay. up, internet. Uh, <laughs> Perfect woman and all that kind of shit. <laughs> At this point, uh, Ariel is on the side of the ship watching him, which I wrote, how the hell did Princess No Legs climb this ship? Like, it's an enormous boat. She She's has got to... great upper body strength. With her twig arms, yeah, of course. Well, maybe she has a powerful fin that propelled her out of the water like fucking whales. You ever think about that? <laughs> sure. You ever think about fucking whales? <laughs> <laughs> Not often. Okay, well... Uh, the crew, un- the seamen unveil a giant statue of uh, Prince Eric that I don't know how long this voyage has been, but somehow he has not noticed it at any point on the trip. Not a lot of places to hide a statue on a boat, I would think. Right, hey, but... what's under this curtain over here, guys? Like, no, it's a surprise. Don't look. <laughs> it's our slaves we're bringing back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, <laughs> come on now. I don't know what their ship has been. They could have been on any kind of voyage. I don't think you send the prince along to go collect slaves. I don't think that's what Uh, we're doing. Maybe not. Maybe it's like undercover boss. Uh, Okay. Uh, a wild hurricane appears. Yeah, they're just having fireworks, having a good time, and then suddenly a massive-ass sea storm. Mm -hmm. Later on in the story, when... uh, what bad girl <laughs> ursula <laughs> ursula gets the trident she says something like now i have all the powers of the sea does that mean triton sent this hurricane just to fuck with these dudes <laughs> possibly he doesn't like men he is vengeful he's so. got storm powers you know yeah. he's like an x-man or a god <laughs> know that too also hurricanes not native really to denmark i would think yeah anyway a big ass storm comes mm. and the dog falls in the water right and so all the crews escaping eric could escape but he's got to save the dog let you know he's a good guy so he does save the dog but gets exploded in the process um but... he he doesn't explode to right, be clear the ship explodes okay gunpowder all the fireworks they had. Right, it all makes sense. Right. But fortunately, but Ariel's, Ariel's right watching there. all this, and, you know, she swims up to save him. She is not supposed shore. to intervene. Exactly. But she does it anyway, because rebellious teenagers. Which, and if you got to rebel, saving a guy is a good way <laughs> to suppose. do it, I guess. Uh, and so she carries him to shore, and then, you know, they get a very, like, 
loving scene of staring at this unconscious dude. Yeah. Locking eyes with him, he wakes up and she's singing. I think she's singing to wake him up, perhaps, or just in general. Just, she's happy and looking right. at her guy she's yeah. always right. dreamed of. <clears throat> he wakes up and sees her and hears the voice and is all loopy, but he remembers the voice. But so. not what she looks like, which is a key detail later on in the movie. Right. Um... And then now we're back with Ursula commenting, I guess. Uh, she has, she's explaining her villainous plan to nobody of like, oh, the princess oh, it's too is too easy. In love. She's in love with a human. Right. And we get cuts to these like weird potato people that are with her, which are, uh, you know, people she's sucked the souls out of, I assume. Um, Should we talk about how the this, the inspiration for Ursula, what they were going for here, as far as right her uh, performance and mannerisms and all that, she was supposed to be uh, based on a, a drag queen, mm-hmm. and that's where... Uh, a specific drag performer named uh, Divine. I'm, this is, like, way out of my depths to be talking about this, but it was interesting to read about. Um, I'm sure that's a whole, like, the history of drag and all that. That's, like... There's 30,000 other podcasts about that, I'm sure. <laughs> we're just really focusing on Disney, and I don't want to misstep or anything. Right, but, but that's what they were going for, and, you know, I feel like it was, you know... It was an excellent, uh, like, w- way to design the character and everything. Because even, like, especially in the late 80s, you're going to make most of the audience slightly uncomfortable with this, this sort of portrayal. Um, and that is what they're going for with their villain, you know? You want to look and be like, she's ugly and heavy set and that kind of stuff and looks kind of scary, you know, makeup smeared all over her face and that kind of stuff, which is going to be like, you know, how you designed a villain 30 years ago and everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or hundreds of years ago as well, too. <laughs> True. <laughs> make them ugly and fat, you know, make your bad guys look like bad guys. Anyway, Makes perfect sense. Triton learns what Ariel's been up to and gets mad again. And she says, but daddy, I'm in love. And then right. that makes him even angry. That is too much. And then I think he starts blasting shit, right? He, he finds her hoarder stash with all right, the stuff and yeah. destroys it all. Yep. I had no... Oh, did we glance over uh, under the sea there? Because <laughs> that definitely uh... happens before Triton talks to Ariel. Wait a minute. Look, here's what we got. <laughs> ship on fire in storm. Abandoned ship tries to save dog. Gets saved by Ariel. Triton learns she's in love. Under the sea. Ariel sneaks to surface while they're singing. Sebastian confesses wrong thing. How the fuck did Flounder's weak ass get that... Statue to the stash. That's that, So Triton yes. learns that she's in love and she swims away. Then mm-hmm. he comes later to her secret stash. But that happens later because first we do Under the Sea where Sebastian tries to convince her to stay, which is a fun song on its own, but right. like actually ties into the plot about... Yes, hey, if, stay here. Up on the shore, they work all day. No one wants to work. Right, Hang this, out down here. Uh, if we're doing uh, comparisons to other Broadway musicals or whatever, this would be like West Side Story and the idea of like stick to your own kind, one of your own kind. Sure, or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so trying to get her I feel pretty is the only song i know from that oh, one well, i feel like i know a few others then <laughs> but uh anyway he's trying to convince her to stay and this kind of makes me want to talk about musicals in general because yeah. like you can buy uh, a big you know cast sing-along or whatever or just one character stopping an interaction with another character to sing a song or whatever Sure. But, like, there's usually, usually rules to them. Either, like, everyone else freezes while this person sings a song, mm. or, like, everyone is singing and participating. But what we get here is sort of that turned on its head, where, like, Ariel and Flounder are pretending to sing along and participate, and then they slowly sneak away while the yeah. singing is going on. That's or whatever. interesting. It's very self-aware. Yeah. Uh, musical. Like, oh, we're singing? No, we're not. We're just going <clears> to <throat> sing our way out of here, like the Blues Brothers or something. Yeah, that's a little bit silly. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So then they go back to the surface. 
and then back to the stash. I was Googling something in the lyrics here, because uh, yeah, everyone knows Under the Sea, obviously. The seaweed is always greener, <laughs> and somebody else's lake. Yeah, you dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Yeah, exactly. See, I know the words. Well, fast forward a few verses. He starts singing about the other fish involved yeah, 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 yeah. and everything. And he's like, I don't know the words to that part. Listen, let blow fish blow. Like that kind of yeah, shit. Yeah. There's also a line uh, that's just kind of thrown in the middle of the black fish just singing. And then it cuts to like, wah, wah. Yeah. yeah. Picture if we had white animators draw uh, Aretha Franklin as a fish, like, and we yeah. just call her the Blackfish, which led to me Googling, is there a fish called the Blackfish, or did we just make that up? There is uh, some colloquially known uh, one called the uh, Totog, uh, T-A-U-T-O-G, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Um, it's also called the Chub, and we already had a line about the Chub right before the Blackfish, so that seems, seems like lazy on the uh, writer's part there. It's a little iffy. They probably, you know, this is a movie about fish. We have to have a song where we name a lot of fish. Somebody get out your fish book. <laughs> right. Just to name different ones. All right, Blackfish. Hmm. <laughs> what can we do with that one? How, on a scale of, like, okay to the crows in Dumbo, how far do we want to go in terms of insensitivity? In, I, insensitivity is the word. I did not, uh... Make that connection. The fish did sort of remind me of the singing creature in Return of the Jedi, though, that sings in Jabba's palace. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sort of like that a little bit. I mostly remember the blue elephant guy, but there's a weird song. Yeah, he's playing keyboard. Yeah. yeah. It's his band. I but believe. then they changed Max the song in the, was his in, name. The, uh, in the redo because, of course, they fucking did. Um, and now I can't remember how the original one went because that's how we just slowly mm -hmm. <laughs> warp that stuff out of people's minds. But anyway, uh, so Under the Sea happens and it's a great song for uh, compelling her to stay. She sneaks away. Uh, Flounder has a surprise for her back at the stash. And that's where I ask the question, right. how did weak-ass <laughs> Flounder pull that giant fucking statue yeah. all the way to the stash? I a similar note. Somehow a one-pound fish brought that here. Also, and we've already established he's a weak Five-ounce bird. <laughs> not gay. A one-pound Gripped it by the husk. <laughs> Uh, anyway, what if two though, fish carried it on a line. <laughs> Daddy, it, I love him. A laser trident magic destroys her shit. Right, but also Flounder's been with Ariel the whole time. Like, so did Flounder like get a moving team to move this shit for him? Like, when did he have time to organize all this? But then, sure, he breaks all her daughter, his daughter's stuff, which is a bit overboard. But you know, right. Teenagers are hard. Like Daddy, I love him is a bit overboard too, and it's like you've known him for thirty seconds. Like right, but you can't go around just breaking all your kids' shit right. when they make you mad. They're like, both out of line. Sure, two wrongs don't make a right, mm -hmm. but three lefts do. I felt this like the drama of the scene felt a little unearned because like I know we got to tell a story in a hurry here. We did so much shit so quickly of like. Rebel against dad, obsessed with humans, saves a guy, fight with dad, throw whole life away with the devil to be with him, like be with human. To right. just met. She's making awful decisions <clears throat> and then she gets rewarded for them at the end of the movie. Exactly. Like she pays no punishment Which is along the way. hard to no swallow. Along the way. Yeah. Right. Especially when I chat on Peter Pan so much for being like, this guy's a dickhead. Why am I supposed to side with him? It's just the, it's the flip side of that, you know? Basically, kids are dumb, is where this is going. So after the stash gets destroyed, Ursula arrives, and uh, I quit making notes at that point because she was too compelling and too awesome. And that's true. And uh, we... For me to be able to do that anymore, I just watched and was entertained for a while. I was going to say it's been a while since we've had that with a villain. We did get it with uh, Professor Radigan, but he would have been the only one in like the last five films to be that uh, you know scene-gripping. Right. Uh, or chewing the scenery, if you prefer. And yeah, we get... Uh, 
you know, uh, outstanding villain song here. One of the best villain songs we've seen so far with uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls, which, I mean, great song in its own right. I love the musical direction of it, of being kind of like a manic polka. Like, that feels way <laughs> yeah. different from, you know, the the songs we've heard. You know, it's not orchestral in nature, I wouldn't right. say. And or it's classical. Not, like, be prepared or anything either. Like, right. it's, it's like, do, 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 do. Right, do, she's do, trying do, do, to, do. you know, sell what all she can do for her. Like, it needs to be... Right. Uh, I guess we try that again with, like, whatever his name is in Princess and the Frog and, like, Friends yeah. on the Other Side, which is a, a similar yeah. type Dr. Facilier. Oh, well, there you go. Keep going. She <laughs> explains uh, what she can offer. She sort of, you know, quickly tries to rush through, like, at the end of a car commercial, some of the, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the fine print and some of the things. Terms and conditions about. apply. Right. But, yeah, and we had some, just some more, like making grown folks uncomfortable in the scene where like you know she holds out a big note or whatever and like shakes her boobs at the camera and like she has a line of like she's gonna make uh ariel give up her voice to get a pair of legs so she can go on the surface and have three days to make this guy fall in love with him uh, and she has a line well like you know you had i know you don't have a voice but you have your pretty face and your pretty looks and don't forget about body language yeah and that's neat because it's well i don't know if neat's the right word but that's sort of different because like we get a, you know a tease of like some you know sort of sexual stuff right in, it is in the, a kid's movie it is the villain telling her to do that too right. but that is ultimately what she i mean she doesn't like throw her <laughs> sure. vagina at him but she does <laughs> her newly just created vagina at him at that uh you know but she does have to you know get find ways to get his attention other than yes. you know her intellect and her uh, uh, smiling seems to be largely what she does <laughs> right looking cute um is her but that's a thing of like oh we got some adult situations going on here in this we song do. and i'm i'm watching it with my four-year-old right. like i don't i feel like ursula is body positive though like in she general, could transform yeah. herself in anything she wants but she's happy with that look and she's True. she's working it <laughs> she is good for you she's you know torturing the souls of the damned but you know you, well but from a body image standpoint <laughs> she's mm-hmm. good uh did you watch the uh the this has been a while ago now but the recent uh abc live performance of little mermaid where they went back and forth from the cartoon to mm-hmm. people singing um they had queen latifah playing uh ursula which was queen latifah school was fine casting and then they had uh the girl who voiced who voiced who voiced moana as mm-hmm. uh ariel mm-hmm and so there was that uh and john stamos was uh louis the chef okay yeah that's a bit random and he was still acting so they would like they would do a song and then like it would go back to the cartoon for a little bit and then like they were afraid you would might change the channel during the cartoon so it would flash up at the bottom see john stamos in five minutes or like you know gotcha they're getting ready to they're making sure you're sticking around for them all right that's interesting anyway network tv has got to do something these days right right? (laughs) John Stamos is interesting casting for Louis, but we'll get back to uh, that later on, I suppose. I was going to say, Ariel's getting hit with sexist shit down here, too, uh, from Ursula, of saying, like, oh, the men up there don't want to hear you talk. You know, they want a pretty face and shut up and know your place and that kind of shit. And so, like, I don't know about you know the best way to interpret ariel's sort of uh positioning in all this but like her dad seems to dismiss her for everything she's doing the villain is also being really horrible to her i don't i mean i could kind of see her a just wanting to get away and then b having like reinforced ideas of just like just go marry him and go be a wife like stop thinking for yourself like that kind of seems to get through to her i don't know yeah 
Which, I mean, thinking for herself is all she's done at this point. Exactly. She hasn't followed any orders. (laughs) Stop that and go be a wife is what it feels like. Um, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of, like, since we got the villain also being more sexist here than the general sexistness of the story, uh, it felt a little like the WWF in the late 90s with Jeff Jarrett as a he-man woman-hating, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it was, you know, we're generally horrible, but we're going to make this guy that works for us look like the real bad guy to distance ourselves from how this plays out right. he, he's hitting an old woman in the head with a guitar look at him but all, but also <laughs> now watch to this, bring it you know tna match <laughs> back to this movie sure uh you know she's saying all these these sexist things to her whatever but ariel must believe them at some level or she wouldn't have gone along with it like so she's she must have you know bought into to some of this uh right this idea of like yeah i can get a man without a voice <laughs> right no big deal which i mean not to say there aren't uh good looking mute girls out there like no one's trying to say that sweetie like i'm going to start talking now <laughs> like if you know you got to play the the cards you were dealt like if you ain't got a voice you got to learn to do something like this is not a better note <laughs> on the scale of penny in her underwear to the sexy mouse cabaret yeah. where does uh naked ariel I in the ocean here ariel land ariel is much older than penny like true but in terms of how pervy were the animators here, do you uh, think? They were. They were a little pervy. <laughs> like, you didn't have to go straight to, oh, she's naked. Like, yeah, you could have just went, oh, look, I have magic green pants now <laughs> that cover my legs or, you know. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's just what I can't not think of when it's like, oh, yeah, she lost her clothes because she just grew legs. That makes sense. No, I'm thinking, like, they drew this girl. I bet they were real excited about drawing this girl. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know um she floats up to the surface she thinks she's gonna drown but she doesn't and then she's up there talking with well she's not talking but right. scuttle and sebastian are talking right. to scuttle her can't figure out what's different about her like because mm-hmm. he's dumb <laughs> he puts his her foot up to his head now that might be later when she he's looking to check for, for a pulse, pulse. yeah right. point uh, is dumb bird. he is dumb yes you can tell how awesome ursula is here though because in my notes which are if you've been listening to the show they're not normally great ursula awesome eric takes her in like just yeah. skipped over 15 minutes of film there yeah, the scene because the, sh- the movie got compelling for a second right and, yeah yeah and so she goes on the shore she has legs she's checking them out then uh the right uh, the animators jake claims was checking them out or whatever i'm trying to say there anyway the uh the prince happens along sure well i was gonna say the scuttle business happens they try to teach her how to stand up and you know they find this random sheet laying around that they wrap around it was a sail but maybe i don't maybe either way why is it just laying on the beach it was a shipwreck all right fair enough and Uh, then eric discovers her and and takes her in right he happens along and then ariel basically gets like oh you poor dear into the hassle into the castle sorry of uh you know don't give me any information because how could you but come live with me why not exactly yeah you poor thing Let so me then take care she of gets you. all prettied up and comes to dinner they just had a dress laying around for her somewhere just in case naturally the, maybe the prince takes uh, takes girls home fairly often maybe he's could this, be i don't know he's got a whole setup is what they say him. on the internet if you're a bachelor you know make sure you have a well-stocked you know situation yeah i don't think they suggest <laughs> having a whole dress <laughs> Well, you know. Like a fancy ass ball gown for I, them. I'm obviously not a player. <laughs> I don't know, but have you heard the the rumor about Derek Jeter and his gift baskets? Maybe. All right. So Derek Jeter just one shy of going into the uh, well, he went into the Hall of Fame, but going being one of the first players to go in unanimously. Mm. Um, but he was one vote shy because I no don't legend. know why. I um, share a birthday with him. Anyway, he uh, now I forget what I was going to say. Anyway, was a notorious playboy. Had. Uh, 
a, basically a starting lineup of ex-girlfriends. It's very impressive. But anyway, uh, allegedly, and he has denied this, but he, when he would have one of these one-night stands with uh, with these different girls, he would also have a gift basket. He would leave them <laughs> with different uh, nice things in them or whatever as he's, you know, sneaking out. Uh, right. Or he would have it delivered the next day or whatever. Allegedly, that's what he would do. I don't know that that's what yeah, Prince he, he Eric got is doing that here. kind of money, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so then she comes to dinner and she sees Grimball's. Uh, <laughs> that's not his name. Whatever. Keep going. And sees his Snarflat, and she gets very excited about this. And then Eric right. is amused by this too, because like, hey, I got me a smoking girl. Like, how about that? Like, <laughs> it was the style. She's, at the she's time. down for a good time. But uh, this is after she's I mean, combing her hair with even the fork women who smoked, probably not using pipes. That feels like a very masculine uh, smoking device. Like she's like women of the time would have used like a Corella Deville cigarette, perhaps like on a stick. Yeah, whatever probably. you call that cigarette on a stick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how they sell them at state fairs. <laughs> they would deep fry them first, of course. I don't know don't what be crazy. It's <laughs> deep fried cigarettes on a stick. Anyway, <laughs> she sees the snar flat. She gets excited, makes her sick, though. Um, and then we it get doesn't make her sick. She <laughs> blows it in his face. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what happens. <laughs> You're just picturing other Disney scenes. Yeah. Anyway, then Le Poisson happens. Yeah, that's, that's why we're all here. Exactly. Just like stop what we're doing. Let's just have a silly ass slapstick scene. You know how previously totally we said all the songs uh, tied into the plot in some this way or to the characters' motivations. No, not at all in this one. Uh, <laughs> Let's introduce a heel chef. <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna cook and eat sebastian he's not a, he's very passionate yeah about, about his killing <laughs> he's a little creepy but uh stuff you with bread and you don't care because you're dead like that's exactly. awesome like that's not eel <laughs> that's pretty whatever and then you know the i wrote laughs in rhythm because that's what the subtitle calls <laughs> it like, oh, oh, oh. oh i didn't know the subtitles did that that's yeah. funny well i thought it would say he 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 ha 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 but nope <laughs> it's whatever the line before that is laughs in rhythm <laughs> Uh, let's see, we got Le Poisson's song is so great. Sebastian advice really to get her <sighs> kissed the next day. Le Poisson is so great to the point where I don't even know what else to say about it. Like, just go just watch go it. Just go watch it. The song we is... might stick it in here. Who knows? <laughs> the song is already amusing. That's the title of a movie I saw on. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, move along. Le Poisson, good stuff. John Stamos. Yep. <laughs> don't don't put that. Actually, put that in here instead. See if anyone notices. Les poissons, les poissons. <laughs> Touring the kingdom tomorrow. That's what they're yeah, going to do. Yeah, later that night, Sebastian gives her a pep talk at bedtime about how she's got to get kissed tomorrow because she right. only has three days to... Right. And interesting enough, the three-day thing I was going to bring up because that it feels like forever ago, but our last movie was Oliver and Company. Totally used the same three-day like mm-hmm. trope of, uh, you know... Fagin having mm-hmm. to, you know, do whatever. Why don't we remember his name and not Billy Joel's? Because <laughs> who cares? Okay. Scout? Dodger. It was Dodger. Dodger. Artful Dodger. Okay. Dodger. Close. Billy Joel. Does he voice him the whole time or just in the song? I don't remember. I want to say the whole time. Okay. I don't remember. Billy Joel's kind of lame. Hmm. We want to talk about that or just move along? We already did that. <laughs> okay. Um, Fuck you, Billy Joel. Jeez. You fat ass. Uh, I felt the movie started at post. Les Poissons, uh, the movie started to lose a little bit of steam. It definitely does. Because maybe falling in love isn't that interesting, but also like Eric's not that interesting and Ariel can't talk. I feel like Jake needs to talk to us a little bit. Like, she's so perfect or whatever bullshit and like falling in love, not that interesting. Like, On screen. Oh, okay. It doesn't come through all that well and it's just like, okay, whatever. Get to the finale at this point, you know? Maybe. So Sebastian gives her a good pep talk despite not really knowing anything about romance, but, you know, a plan to get her kissed by the next day. Ariel is good at horse carriaging, is what we learn here. Which she was. There were chariots with dolphins earlier, yeah, so that yeah. so she has that must be her skills. some experience. But with she this. takes over, you know, when they're on a carriage through the 
through the town, castle, kingdom, wherever they live. Um, and then we get to, you know, the, the night on the boat where we sing Kiss the Girl. Which uh, is a good song, too. It is. And I I like that we we do a lot with this scene to make it so, like, friendly to the audience of, like, yeah, we're going to sing a romantic song. But it's not like Bambi where, like, the chorus, you know, the unseen choir comes in and starts singing it or whatever. It's like, no, the characters you know and like are going to sing it. And also they're going to call in all the other sea creatures around if you're worried about uh losing the children at some point we're gonna keep enough slapstick stuff going on to uh keep their interest where like sebastian's trying to blend in and like right and you've got scuttle trying to sing and being terrible at it right sebastian's like on the on stilts at one point isn't he or one of them is i think it's sebastian um and then you got like once we get to the chorus we get background singers which are the frogs on the oar going Mm -hmm. don't be shy (laughs) yeah right there's just so much going for it and i can see why that also got a nomination yeah Uh, it's good stuff right not as good when they shoehorn it into the uh descendants but that's a different discussion (laughs) sure i did think the writers uh seemed a little hamstrung trying to make these two characters that are supposed to be our leads interesting for this which is why we're sort of masking it so much with like the Le Poisson song we've got Sebastian silliness we've got the montage we've got this scene which has so many other characters doing stuff while they just kind of right. look because at each she other she can't talk she can't exactly. do anything so um, good way to get around that I guess but they nearly kiss the eels have to show up and interfere and then that's when Ursula goes, oh, fuck, I gotta mm-hmm. gotta change the rules and disguise herself, use Ariel's voice. She <laughs> during, during this scene, um, uh, what's his name? Eric tries to guess what Ariel's name is, and his first guess is Mildred. <laughs> Just right out of the gate. <laughs> well, we don't know what it's set. Mildred was a popular name at some point. Sure. Anyway, uh, Ursula... Uh, uh, makes a human form well ursula has to be like oh shit this is you know talk you just said this talking to the camera but uh she calls her a tramp in this scene oh, yeah. and i was gonna say oh that's kind of racy for disney and then i remembered we had a disney movie with tramp in the title <laughs> like one of the characters was named tramp right. so maybe not but it was a dude so that that's it's a lovable character who rides the rails right. yeah a lady being a tramp is, is different a yeah. hussy <laughs> Right, although she's definitely not a hussy, and you told her to use body language, like you, this was point. your own doing. Anyway, don't so slut shame the character. She <laughs> adopts a human form and takes Ariel's voice. They don't say her name until the uh, wedding later on, but it's Vanessa. Mm-hmm. That had some sort of Latin connotation. I don't remember what it was, but the internet told me. Vain, maybe. I don't know. Mm. I think it was sea related. Oh, <laughs> oh, her scenes. I was. Uh, was taking notes about this point about how Ursula hasn't gotten to do much, but she gets a bit better now. She gets to be more hands-on for the first time in the movie. Right. And then we have, for the second time in the movie, we have a situation where the characters are talking about different things. In a previous time, uh, Triton gets Sebastian to confess to the wrong thing. Yes. Um, earlier in the movie. And then at this point, uh, someone, I don't remember. I think it's Scuttle. It is Scuttle. Scuttle is like, wakes oh, her up prin- and is like way to go. The prince is getting married today. The prince is getting married today. And Ariel assumes it's to her because, mm-hmm. He, Who you else know, why would you be? assume he's been two-timing you this whole time? <laughs> exactly. But then uh <clears throat> turns out... The whole kingdom's buzzing about it. And she tries to run downstairs. And we get some iffy early 3D here with the stair shots. That's um, true. Yeah, It's just a little bit jarring. But uh yeah, she gets to the bottom of the stairs and stops because she sees the prince standing there with this other lady. And, oh, they're, gonna, if they're getting married today. We gotta go get on the wedding ship. Which sure sounds like an expensive <laughs> ceremony. Is that just tradition well, he's around a prince. Here? we're gonna get married let's sail out into international waters first well you know nothing could go wrong ariel's We've seen a teenager one shipwreck maybe that's already. why they have to go 
out at sea to do this anyway. I don't know. And anyway, he's like really, in a trance. Yeah, like, it really felt like, yeah, we realized the climax would work better at sea. So, <laughs> right. wedding ship. Yep, that's a thing. <laughs> anyway, Scuttle figures out that it really is Ursula when her reflection she's talking mirror, to nobody well, again. Well, that too, but her reflection in the mirror is her true uh, face her instead truth. of... Truth, it's the truth. truth. <laughs> True face is what I was gonna say. Right, but then he has to fly back and explain it all. But he's not good at that, and he was very funny here. It's like, oh, I was flying. I was I, well, of course I was flying, and, I saw, and he's just, you know, not very quick at getting it out. Uh, so we all split up. Sebastian's gonna go get Triton. Scuttle needs to go stall the ceremony, and uh, Ariel and Flounder are swimming to the ship. So my next note says, well, that was easy. So I guess they did it. <laughs> yeah, well, I got uh, Ariel wedding crashes. Sebastian talks to Triton. Scuttle stalls wedding, gets voice back too late. Flipper back Triton confronts Ursula, takes Ariel's place. Big fight, giant Ursula. Shit is nuts. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> yeah, it. There you go. Shit is nuts. They do uh, expose Vanessa's disguise here really easily is what, because... Uh, uh, Scuttle swoops in and then other sea life attacks and Scuttle gets a hold of her necklace. The necklace had the voice in it because magic and it exposed and it does the uh again and it goes into Ariel's mouth and she can sing again. Yep, that's how voices work. Right, and then now if you ever wake up and you've lost your voice, chances are a sea witch has taken it to try to get a prince. Yep, Um, but then we get Ursula transforms back into you know her octopus and a giant version. No, that's later on. Yeah, yeah. But and just on the boat like that, and then there's a really cool scene where she's like doing this. I'm swimming in the air. (laughs) Right. This is a visual. This is uh, not a visual medium. She's pulling herself across the deck of the ship with her hands, and it's quick and it's pretty like octopuses. It would be scary as fuck. Can we talk about how wild octopuses are? Like they're like super smart and they can change colors. They can escape in all different directions. They basically have eight different brains, like for each tentacle. Like Mm -hmm. octopuses, you badass. It's true. Well, she looked really scary in this scene where she was just coming at the camera like that. Um, But, so, she... Ursula, I think she, like, what happens? (laughs) She gets... We end up back in the water. Yeah, drags Ariel back in the water. because of the contract. Says, you're mine now forever. That's That's when Triton volunteers to take her place. Then Triton shows up, yes. Um, And that's when Ursula becomes all-powerful, like Jafar at the end of Aladdin. Exactly. She gets huge and makes a big storm for no reason. She's already won. Like, why... It's true. Why are you continuing to be a bitch? Like, (laughs) villains. I guess so. That's what I gotta do. So anyway, then they try to steer the ship. They run the ship right into nether regions... (laughs) pretty much that's something like that shit is nuts i told you what right the important thing is triton saying no hey don't take my daughter's soul take me instead sacrifice like that's what i wanted all along and then she so gets, her master plan i'll get a girl to give me her voice and then i don't really want the prince i want to use that to like she's it's just, just advanced kidnapping right just like, john madden trying to telestrate his way through this one it worked by all accounts it doesn't make sense shit is nuts but she gets the trident and she gets all the magic power within and then grows really big and makes a big storm which totally is her undoing because then eric gets in the boat and like steers it around in the big tidal wave thing and stabs her in the belly and that's <laughs> it also lightning is involved yeah yeah it's all a these lightning happen. stab <laughs> Yeah, she gets struck by her own lightning and stabbed in the belly welly. Right. And this is another villain death, which I, I've mentioned this in the past few films. We are doing this for every villain now. Radigan died. Uh, 
bad guy in Oliver and Company got hit by a train. Yeah. Um, Not Fagan, but the other bad guy. Well, Reagan. <laughs> what was the other guy? It uh, wasn't Reagan. It wasn't Fagan and Reagan. <laughs> what is, uh, Black, what was, Black Cauldron was before that. Uh, he the, dies. The Horn King died. He got sucked into a vortex. Yeah. Uh, Fox and the Hound? I don't Nobody, know. Nobody, no. They didn't die. If, I don't know if the bear died. Oh, uh, well, maybe. <laughs> he fell but, off a waterfall and disappeared. But right. the point is, lots of deaths. But Grandpa was fine. Grandpa from True. Charlie and the Cho- Chocolate Factory. Chocolate Factory. <clears throat> Whereas before, like, Robin Hood, you know. Prince John didn't die. He was in a silly prison camp at the end. Right, right, that's true. Captain Hook didn't die. He just ran away. Shere Khan ran away. That kind of shit. But now, now we're just killing everybody at the end of these movies. Captain Hook ran away, ran on water, running from a crocodile. Like we're not sure, sure. he didn't eventually die off screen. Okay, like, but he didn't get stabbed in the gut, you know. No, and lightning to death. Exactly. So we're it's there's been a, a shift where everybody is getting killed. Anyway, so, so I wonder how long that'll continue. Ursula's death means all the little shrimp people or whatever you called them earlier potato Potato. people uh come back to full size and everything's back to normal Uh, triton gives ariel some legs so she can go be with triton is just like well you like it better up here goodbye forever right it's not even a deal like you can you know i'll make it where you can have your fin if you want it or legs if you want it you can see us sometimes and see him whenever you want it's totally like all right bye yep and she zaps her. She's not naked this time. She has a dress when she gets zapped back into having legs. But well, yeah. Fancy glittery dress. But uh... Well, he's more powerful than Ursula, so he's able to provide clothes. Also, Ursula's whole plan was body language. Like, it's true. I don't know. Anyway. My last note just says, sea weddings are nothing but trouble. <laughs> my last note is shit is nuts, and then I'm moving on to scores. But that's the end of the film. Did you enjoy it? Of course I enjoyed it. Who doesn't enjoy Little Mermaid? I enjoyed it too, a lot more than I expected. Part, I mean, it does feel a bit hollow. There's a bit of the, you know, the wokeness messing with me yeah. in terms of enjoying this. And it's like, I'm not a kid anymore. I can see the script and the issues that I don't enjoy as much. But, uh, you know, as a kid, I didn't like it because it was about girls. So right. I've grown in that sense. Did you uh, look into some of the original casting or some of the people who tried out and were not cast along the way? I know their main plan for Ursula was B. Arthur. Right, that was a plan. She turned them down. Uh, Jim Carrey tried out for uh, Prince Eric. This would have been pre being a star Jim Carrey, uh, Yeah, this though. might have been Living Color Jim Carrey. Don't know Maybe, the don't dates know. on that. So with that, uh, let's get into our rankings for this one. Um, as you know... <laughs> opening paragraph where we explain the shit we've been doing for four years well <laughs> six categories time off it's though. True. six categories uh first one is the, the matters or the plot of the film um i went ahead and gave it a three on this one this is a scale to five just for reference everybody um it's not that ariel's completely unsympathetic which if you ask me when i was 19 i probably would have said she was because you know 19 year olds are dicks um <laughs> but that's uh you know, her her motivation would be better if she was more focused on herself and her ambitions. And it's clear that the plot loses a lot of steam in the second half when you that know, is true. she and Eric are just hanging out. But, you know, she's, you know, a 16 year old that you want to see end up in a better life because we don't spend enough time making her current life look shitty, I guess. Like that's that, true. That would help maybe if Triton was just a dick and right. <laughs> she had to escape a broken He's not, home. I mean, he is protective of her, but he doesn't seem overly so. Right. Like, he doesn't want to go into the surface because it's dangerous in the same way you don't want your kids, you know, crossing the street by themselves because it's dangerous. Yep. Although maybe if they're teenagers, they can handle that. Yeah, I would think. But uh, but it's also about, you know, a father learning to, to let go right. as, as, his, yeah. as his baby girl grows up. 
Yeah, let go completely and never uh, see her again. That is true. He took that lesson a little bit too far. Is he a uh, Disney deadbeat dad? Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. He does um, have six other daughters to worry right. about. And they all From seem to be who knows how many baby mamas. I mean, he's the king. It's good to be the king. <laughs> anyway, I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there are parts of the movie uh, we're moving super fast-paced. Uh, yeah. So um, sometimes we rush through some, things, through some things early on. Musicals are traditionally like 18 hours long. So it would be much, you know, a different and story if it was on stage. At the end of the movie, like you said, uh, there are, uh, we did lose a lot of steam uh, at that oh. part. And so anyway, uh, so the movie did lose a little bit of steam later on. But overall, I think it's it's well done, relatable uh, characters, even if she is over the top and, and annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, she being Ariel, yes. not Ursula. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And, you know, Triton perhaps being uh, a little overprotective but again reasonably so although he does overreact quite a bit with breaking all of her stuff yeah um so yeah so the matters was a little bit iffy but a lot of these other categories are just top of the charts here because music uh how could you absolutely not give this a five out of five like so many bangers it's undeniable like they got two Oscar nominations from the same soundtrack and also one best score. And so like it's they were competing with themselves for best song. So like that's how can you deny any of that? Alan Mankin kills it on this. And um Howard Ashman? Finkel. Yes, Howard Finkel. <laughs> he no, kills it too. No, it you can't lyricist. deny that Howard Finkel kills it. Royal Rumble. Howard Ashman's lyrics are very good as well. Okay. Uh, I also gave it five out of five and no negative uh, feedback at all for this. Like it's, and you have like every kind of song in it too. Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe that's where they get their formula, but you have, you know, setting the scene men on a ship singing. You've got the, I want song. You've got the big, you know, catchy kid friendly one that everyone's going to remember can go in toy commercials and that kind of shit right and, and they play around with different genres of music right you've uh, got a too. villain polka song you've got a weird comedy like, french chef yeah, song like a calypso sort of deal with uh mm. under the sea so right and then you've got the fallen in love song mm-hmm. so it's just everything it's it's perfect five mm. out of five uh the meanie uh i ursula's great i ended up going with a four though because of when the sections of the movie where she just doesn't have shit to do when she's just talking. She's not that dynamic when she's just talking to the camera, you know? So I found those scenes a little bit iffy, but uh, uh, she, I, I think if she got to interact with more characters, she would be a lot greater. Like, if there was a scene with Ursula and Triton, like... Or, like, a flashback of her actually at each getting other kicked or, out or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or, you know, I don't have to know her whole backstory or everything, but, like, just more of her interacting rather than just sulking alone at the camera, you know? Yeah, but, I her... but design is great, and performance is great, and song is great, and scariness is great, so four out of five. Yeah, I gave it five out of five. <clears throat> I thought, you know, she's one of the best... I mean, she is one of the Disney villains you think of when you think of what is a good Disney villain. It's true. I don't know how many others we've given fives to along the way. I know Shere Khan, uh, probably uh, the stepmother in Cinderella, um, I think, Lady Train. Yeah. I think I have three fives. Rad again, maybe. Yeah, I think those are my three fives. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but yes. <laughs> So I mean we've got uh, I have them on my, on my well phone. we could look it up we don't have to. we have there are villains that you think of in the movies that we've covered so far um, and she's in uh, rare company there she's among the uh, the best of the best mm-hmm. the cream of the crop if you will she's a lot like Macho Man yes the cream rises to the top um, the message which we've sort of talked about throughout this whole thing and it is kind of eh. Ariel does pretty much abandon her home, which felt a little unearned to me. Um, you know, it, it just needed more time and more depth to be 
fleshed out a bit. She doesn't really suffer any consequence. I mean, I guess yeah. briefly her dad's turned into a potato creature. Yeah, but other than that, long. she doesn't suffer any consequences for her actions. She willingly chooses to leave her whole world right. behind twice in the movie. Right. Once, and she, it's not like it's a Kevin Arnold, no, Kevin McAllister situation. Uh, Kevin Arnold Under is years. the most serious yes. guest. Okay. It's not like it's a Kevin McAllister situation where like she, he wishes his family away and then realizes he doesn't really oh, want to no. be apart from them and like misses them and wants them around. Like she wishes them away and then again leaves them at the end of the movie. So yep. pretty much, he's like, I was right. Yeah, later, bitches. <laughs> Y'all suck. I'm out. So I gave it a three. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Um, it. Parts of it are nice and about, uh, I don't know, about exploring other worlds or... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We Probably three is generous if we're yeah, <laughs> the yeah, more yeah. we talk about it. Could be. Uh, Mise-en-scene. Uh, the film looks mostly good. I mean, there was all kinds of work and effort put into this. Uh, I think this is the last one of the quote-unquote Xerox era. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, they, there was something saying they drove, they drew like 700 million bubbles or some shit in, over the course of this film. Um, so it, it looks great. The sea, sea in general looks great. Uh, there was a few iffy 3D situations. There's some stuff with the ship that looks a little awkward 30 years later. Um, but still great stuff. But I gave it a four. Yeah, I also gave it a four. Uh, I mean, if you think about the Mies being uh, the different performances, the music, the way everything sort of works together, all of that stuff is great. There are a few scenes here or there where it does look a little cheap or a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I, I counted off some for that. But four is is a very good score on on this scale. Should we talk about the silly sexual like pervy controversies with this film? I mean, I suppose we should. Dick on the, the cover and the. <laughs> the priest having a boner or Which whatever he did not it was just his kneecap moving mm. awkwardly the only reason i bring it up these were like internet urban legends before the internet was really huge i guess yeah so these were like the hush hush talking about things like did you know but right. uh, i have actually not seen either image uh to know i've just heard descriptions of them i've not seen the images in question Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that enough people complain that they eventually removed uh, the little bit of the movie where it, you know, where right. his knee moved awkwardly and it looked like he had an erection or whatever. Um, right. I I just thought this was worth bringing up because this amused me. The combined incidents led an Arkansas woman to file course. suit against the Walt Disney Company in 1995, though she dropped the suit two months later. <laughs> so, and what would the suit be? I saw a dick and I wasn't supposed to. Well, like, I think the idea is I wasn't warned about it and my children saw an erect penis this, in or, a cartoon. Right. Or this weird image on a castle that looks kind of phallic. I right. don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, this doesn't really relate, but it's fun to talk about anyway, about the FBI looking into Louie Louie like in yeah. the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, where people thought they were like messed up lyrics, not even they like, couldn't just, understand them. Just so they must be singing words. dirty words, right? And so, really, like they were the perverts coming up with all these dirty words to the right. song, like something about like semen in her hair or like weird shit. I don't, I don't um, know the lyrics to the song, but, uh, or even what the made up ones are, right? But definitely not that. Uh, and so, mm. it's but that song was dangerous enough to have an FBI file the other another song that they looked into. Uh, was the song Fun, 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 which they tried to get banned. Not because there's any sort of, like, uh, sexual elements to it necessarily, mm. so much as she was not listening to her father, and that kind of <laughs> stuff should not be played on the radio. Yeah. Um, mm. But this is the era of, you know, liberal snowflakes and everybody's right, feelings getting hurt. Yes. Uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> Safe spaces. <laughs> yes. 
uh, magic, the magic of the film, also undeniable. But the music is what carries most of the weight of that, I think. Because um, it is, the music is so amazing, and that's where most of the Disney, I'm with Howard Ashman on this one, of saying, you know, the music and animation go so well together, you gotta have it, all of these films be musicals going forward. Um, but so, but the story elements pull it back just a little bit because it's amazing for kids but in adults it's kind of you know the things we've been discussing over the course of this podcast it's kind of eh but uh so i gave magic a four but i think between the villain and the music Mm -hmm. and uh the different types of of songs along the way and it does have the sort of disney gif that we've talked about about can you reduce reduce the movie to a gif and like that's your magic and like for this one it's ariel on on the rock like looking at eric on the shore or whatever and like the waves come up behind her or whatever and all that the Um, other one i was gonna say is when she's getting her voice back maybe maybe that too but i think the the rock one is a more iconic yeah definitely uh, that image yeah yep and so i i went with five i think this is one of the movies you think of when you think about disney magic it's Um, true and especially its importance in bringing back Disney magic and sort of exactly. recapturing, you know, because they had sort of lost their way. Um, hey, Winda. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or they had lost their way throughout the most of the, the 70s and 80s. And this was sort of uh, this was big for getting it back and then for pushing it forward where where we go from here, because this laid the blueprint for Beauty and the Beast, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for trying other other things uh, right. with Lion King, Pocahontas, so on for the rest of the 90s aladdin <laughs> aladdin is another one <laughs> so yeah so that's where we're at now so if, if you total all these up i ended up giving it 23 out of 30 which is uh 23 snarf flats or whatever the pipe thing is uh out of 30 points yeah mine add up to 26 out of 30 26 mm-hmm. dingle hoppers uh i wrote down at a time 26 Smart dingle move. hoppers out of 30 uh, that puts it in, well, what, do we want to do our top fives, or do we just want to just say what place it's in? I think we'll get there either way. <laughs> well, I just, I need to pull up my top five if we're doing that, or I can just say what place it's just in. Just say. All right, it, it's my new number one. Uh, oh, It's wow. taken over the number one slot. Wow. What was number one, Cinderella? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you still sound confident. <laughs> it was. It was Cinderella. Okay, well, that's really good. It, 23 points is enough to put it in the number three slot for me, uh... I still have Cinderella beat it out by half a point, and mm. Jungle Book is above it by a few points. But yeah, that's where we're at now. Uh, even you know, being slightly problematic, the it's easy to see why this film made a billion dollars, and it's still quite lovable, in, even in this day and age. Uh, and they're gonna make it again, and maybe it'll be as good. I don't know. I probably won't see it. I haven't seen most of the live actions because. Uh, yeah, it was like, what's the point? It's a full point ahead of Cinderella for me. Cinderella got 25 out of 30. This got 26 out of 30. What? Um, then Jungle Book, and then there's a, a tie with Snow White and Peter Pan after that. We know Peter Pan is much further down on your list, and it's I don't true. want to talk about that at the moment. We don't uh, have to. As far as Rotten Tomatoes go, we also uh, do that as a way to uh, keep us honest. Is it another 100? It's a 93. Oh, okay. um, with my own top five, uh, it's... Uh, it, it got a 93, Cinderella got a 97, Jungle Book got an 86, uh, Snow that White 98, and Peter Pan 76. Um, that which seems more likely. <laughs> perhaps so. I don't know if there's one uh, that me and Rotten Tomatoes have disagreed more on <laughs> than uh, Dumbo, I guess, because right. it's got a 97 and it's, 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 it's a seller dweller on, uh, <laughs> online. Yep, so moving forward. We can see how Disney transforms uh, based almost entirely on the success of this film. We will see this format basically 
placed on, you know, all future projects are going to be based around this format. And we're going to see massive success out of them. But we got one more film to get to first before we go to all musicals all the time. And that next film will be Rescuers Down Under. The first Disney sequel. One of, well, we're going to do them all the time now. But for a long time, the only Disney sequel. At least the only one to be canon. Right. So uh, looking forward to that one. That's a, That was a VHS that lived in my VCR growing up. Yeah, and as much as we hated the Rescuers, mm-hmm. we love Rescuers Down Under, and that'll come across in our... Maybe it'll come across, maybe rewatching it as adults. Who knows? Wait, tune in next tune time. Yeah, <laughs> A month from now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see on the release schedule, but at least we're getting some recorded. Yeah. And maybe we'll try to work in some bonuses. We'll see. We've always mm-hmm. uh, threatened those before. We'll see. Yeah, and I mean, let you guys uh, obviously welcome to email us tell us your thoughts on the bonuses we've done a few they don't seem to get as many listens or views or whatever i thought secret and nim would be really cool to check out and then i felt like we didn't have a whole lot to talk about with it but descendants yeah. was fun so descendants was fun and you experimented some with some uh, live tweeting watching watching True. the show hopefully mm-hmm. you tried to grow our audience there i don't know um i wish you'd quit turning your head like this when you talk <laughs> i try to grow audience there and then you never know but anyway we're gonna be right work the room man <clears throat> But anyway, we're going to be wrapping things up here. Thanks again for joining us here. And that's important to always wrap it up. <laughs> There's another important lesson for you out there in Disneyland. It's true. I wonder if Triton never gave that uh, talk yeah. to her daughter I don't even know how before it works with fish. she went and lived with this guy. I don't even know how it works with fish. Uh, cloacas, I think, is how it oh, works. Okay. She might have some things to learn. Woof. <laughs> Woof. But we're going to be done. <laughs> on that on note. On that note, let's end this. Uh, I'm Jake, everyone. I'm Dustin. See you next time. Dudes. Bye. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Uh, sorry about the release schedule lately. We didn't really intend to take a six-month break, but you know, real life got in the way. And for as, as fun as this podcast is, it is something we do for fun. It's not a job. We have we have real jobs. We have families. We have stuff to take care of. So that's why you don't hear us selling t-shirts or wiener pills or that kind of shit with this podcast. We just do it for fun, and I'm glad for every listener we have, and I know Dustin is too. So we encourage you to keep listening, and to most of all, subscribe to the podcast, and if you want to talk to us, send us an email over at dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at DisneyDudesPC. Coming up after this, the next couple releases are going to be the big ones of the 90s. We got Rescuers Down Under first, which was not a massive success, but I know a lot of people grew up with that VHS tape, and it's way better than the first Rescuers. And then after that, we got Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, you fucking name it. This podcast is about to get rolling, provided we don't take six months off again. But we're going to try not to, so keep listening, I guess. Uh, I don't know how else to end this, so goodbye.